0: Father, I pray right now in the name of uh, Jesus, in the powerful name of Jesus, that you will work in us, that you will strengthen us to be your voice and to stand for truth and that we will uh, lean into your authority right now in our own personal lives as we open your word and hear from you. So guide us by your spirit, can bring conviction into our hearts and our lives and change us today, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Go ahead, have a seat, grab your Bibles, and turn to 1 John. We're gonna jump right in because I totally messed myself up earlier in the service on time, okay? So I'm gonna make it. I am. The clock says I have 33.54 seconds. And um, 33 minutes. Not 33.54 seconds, that would be a bummer. 1 John chapter 2 is where we're going to begin and go into chapter 3 as we continue in our study of um, in this series called, Will the Real Christians Please Stand Up? And today's message is this. Today's message is sin and salvation. No flashy words, no flashy um, cute little title. It's just straight up. And here's what I want you to understand, that sometimes we need to crack open God's word and we need to um, dive deep, and today we're going to dive deep into some theological things um, as it relates to, to the church, as it relates to us as individuals, and our walk with God. Okay, so you, um, you feel up to that? <laughs> All right, because we're going we're gonna to go deep in a couple of things, okay? And so just hang on with me, you know drink some more coffee right now and, and wake up, because these are some very important things that we need to know that John, well, actually the Holy Spirit made sure John wrote down because he wanted us to know this um, today, all right? So as we jump into this passage, there are some identifying marks that are embedded into each person. A, Hear me now, that's a legitimate child of God, not a pretend child of God, not a I think I might be child of God, but there are some identifying marks embedded into every legitimate child of God that proves that they are a legitimate child of God. You got that? I didn't, Did I lose you in that? That's what we're going to work on. In fact, John dedicates the entire book to holding up a magnifying glass to some identifiers like, and I think you have them in your notes there to fill in, legitimate Christ followers, love deeply, obey faithfully, live authentically, I'm going to repeat this and so just relax, know Jesus completely, and the result of all of that is that God's people will believe confidently, So these are the identifying marks that are embedded into every legitimate child of God. You will be, and I want you to notice that it doesn't say you will love perfectly. In fact, nothing, nowhere in the book does John say that if you are doing all of these things perfectly, then you are a legitimate child of God. Write that down somewhere, mark it in your brain. Not talking about perfectly, but we're talking about a legitimate Christ follower who will love deeply, will obey faithfully, will live authentically, We'll know Jesus completely, and the result of all of that is that you will believe confidently. That's some really good stuff right there. But it's a big challenge for us to learn how to live in that way. In his third chapter that we're getting ready to jump into, John actually deals with all five of these identifiers, and his goal is that for every person sitting underneath the teachings, we'll be able to answer the question, am I saved Am I really in? Am I in the body? Am, have I been born of God? Have I been born again? And that's the question that He's asking today. We're going to ask ourselves. I'm going I'm to ask you, really lead you to examine your own heart and examine your own life, and take a look, a step back, and take a look at your life, and answer the question: Are these identifying marks present in my life? Not perfectly. Many, you're gonna hear me say that multiple times, so just get used to it, okay? I'm gonna say that. Next time I say, not perfectly, just say, we already know that, Phil. Okay, then I'll know it's starting to fit in, okay? It's starting to get into your head. Not perfectly. Okay, good. <laughs> but are these things present in your life? Are they, in fact, let's do it this way. Are they increasing in your life? That's the whole process of, of progressive sanctification. That's why it's called that. We are working on getting, casting off the old man, and putting on the new on a daily basis. The goal is to get you to examine your life in Christ, (sighs) not to get you to doubt your salvation, okay? Because it's gonna feel like I'm trying to get you or that John's trying to get us to doubt our salvation. That's not the goal here. We're not trying to talk you out of your Christianity. In fact, John's goal in writing the book, we've used this every week, is in, found in 1 John five thirteen, where he says, I'm writing these things not so that you'll doubt your salvation. I'm writing these things not so that you will worry about your salvation. No, I'm writing these things so that you will know that you have eternal life. He wants us all to know that we are legitimate children of God. So there's one big point we're going to deal with today, and then we're going to work on some more um, in the weeks to come. But here's the big, one main idea that we're working on today, and that is that a legitimate child of God continues in Christ's righteousness. A legitimate child of God continues in Christ's righteousness. I would encourage you to underline three or four times Christ's righteousness, because it's not yours. We're going to work on that in just a little bit. So let's go and begin with 1 John 2, 28. And now, dear children, continue in him. There it is, okay? So that when he appears, we may be confident and unashamed before him at his coming. If you know that he is righteous, then you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. John wants us to know that Jesus is coming back. That's a perfect spot. I set you up perfectly to just shout. We already know that bill. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus is coming back. And I'm not talking about, and John's not talking about his second coming when he puts his feet down on the Mount of Olives and, and sets up his kingdom. We're talking about the glorious appearing of our Lord in the clouds to meet his bride, to to bring his bride home, to take Christians home. It's called the rapture of the church. And so he is coming back, and that's what John's talking about. And he wants us to know that he's coming back, and he wants us to be confident and unashamed as we wait for the glorious appearing for him to take us home that day that he appears in the clouds to call us unto himself, John wants to tell you that you can be unashamed and you can be confident when he appears. And he wants you to know that you can be unashamed and confident when he appears because you're just that good. He wants you to know that you can be confident and you can be unashamed because you're awesome at living out this Christian life. And you're not failing at any point. And as long as you keep living like that, and as long as you keep leaning in to your righteousness and your ability to not sin, then you can stand confident and unashamed before him when he comes. Anybody excited about that? <laughs> eh, no. <laughs> no way. <laughs> Wrong? Man. How, what a bummer that would be. If the only confidence in, in, that we have standing before His him as an appearing and to be able to be unashamed is because of our righteousness or our ability to do good and our ability to hang on to this thing called the Christian life. Our confidence and lack of shame comes from continuing in Jesus continuing in him we know from verse 29 that our continuance in his righteousness is what gives us confidence in his righteousness it's not a that confidence that we're talking about it's not a chest out head high look at how good i am kind of confidence look what i've done it's not this kind of confidence right here I mean, can you believe that the guy is putting his picture on gas pumps all across the nation, telling you I did that? That's not. He did do that, and he's continuing to do that. (laughs) Now, I'm serious, he is. I just have to say it. I just have to say it. He's selling off our emergency reserves in order to artificially make you believe that the prices of gas are coming down. That's not. And he thinks we're that stupid. Hear me now. But he is confident in his leadership. They, whoever they are that's telling him what to do, they're confident that they're leading us down the right path. I can just tell you something. Do not have any confidence in the flesh. If you have confidence in your flesh, you're toast, because you cannot, you cannot live up to the righteousness that God requires. It's, it's not rooted in ourself, you guys. Our confidence in. The unashamed position that we have before God is not in ourselves. Our confidence is rooted in righteous living and our right standing before the Father made possible, and you can't miss this. You have to hear this loud and clear. Made possible only by our Lord Jesus through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in our hearts because without that, we could not be righteous enough. Our confidence is in Christ And that confidence comes from knowing that everything is all right between me and God because of Jesus Christ and because of what he did. It's like every day you've got the Bob Marley song looping in your mind. You know which one I'm talking about? Don't worry about a thing because every little thing's gonna be all... You guys don't know that song? (laughs) I'm sorry I did that. Um, just there, but I couldn't help that because that's what popped into my head. See, that's what John's talking about. Because of the work of Jesus Christ, because of what he has done, we don't have to worry about a thing because every little thing is going to be all right. That's what John wants us to know. Not because of something I've done, but because of what Jesus did, because we have been born of him. All of our righteousness, hear me, this, or hear the word, all of our righteousness is filthy rags but not the Lord's. His righteousness has been imputed to us as salvation. And you're like, excuse me, what was that? Imputed, write that down somewhere, imputed to us. Well, what's imputed? That's a big word. That's a big theological term, by the way. You wanna know what imputation means? Here's what it means. To ascribe something like righteousness, guilt, and et cetera, to someone by virtue of a similar quality in another. Does that clear it up? (laughs) You're like, what? I know. That's, that, that is the, the simplest definition of imputation that I could find. But let me help you with it, okay? Imputed righteousness, okay, what that means is that God gives us righteousness, okay? And so when, when, you, when you use the word impute to righteousness, what it means is this, that when you and I humble ourselves and repent of our sins and embrace Christ by faith, that's what we do, then the Bible tells us and teaches us that God imputes the righteousness of Christ, credits the righteousness of Christ to us. Does that make sense? He gives us something we don't have and can't obtain on our own. God credits the righteousness of Christ to us so that when he looks at us now, after salvation, God sees us through the lens of the perfect righteousness of his son, Jesus Christ, he doesn't see you anymore. He doesn't see your failures. He doesn't see your struggles. He doesn't see your sordid past. He doesn't see your sinfulness. Get this now. He sees Jesus' sinlessness when he looks at you because of the imputed righteousness given to you. Anybody want to shout hallelujah about that? I mean, he doesn't look on us and see our past and see our failures. He doesn't even see us in our present failures Everybody nod because you're failing You know perfection. You are failing perfection. Not one person can stand up here today and say, I am perfect. I have achieved perfection, sinless perfection. No, you have not. Thank the Lord that it's not dependent upon that. It's upon Jesus' righteousness being transferred to us, being given to us, being credited to our account, but it's not just that. I want you to see, it's even deeper than that. Here's a graphic I want you to see on imputation. And here, let me explain it to you. The reality of salvation is this, that at the time of the cross, okay, when Jesus was on the cross, our sins, the Bible teaches, are credited or imputed to him on the cross. And on the cross, his righteousness is credited or imputed to those who would receive him by faith through grace so it's not just we get something awesome from god it's jesus took our sin second corinthians 5:21 helps us see this it says god made him jesus who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Do you see it? Our sin accredited to him who knew no sin. He took that upon himself. He suffered the wrath of God upon himself for our sin. And then he gave us what we couldn't have on our own. He imputed to us his righteousness. And so now we stand before the father clean. (sighs) Praise the Lord for that. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. God sees you not as who you were, but now he sees you who you are in Jesus Christ. You are cleansed, you're forgiven, you're redeemed, you're accepted, and you've been adopted. There's no shame, there's no guilt as we stand before him. But not because of you, because of the work of Christ for you at Calvary. You guys, I'm going to skip that next quote and go on to this. So let me just ask you, um, so where does our hope come from? Jesus. Where does our life come from? Jesus. Where does our righteousness come from? It's not yours. So then who is our confidence rooted in? That's what John wants you to know. My hope is built on nothing less than Jesus' blood and righteousness. I dare not trust the sweetest frame, but wholly lean on Jesus' name. On Christ, the solid rock I stand, all of the ground is sinking sand. Verse 29 says in First John 2, if we know that he is righteous, and we do, then you know that everyone who does what is right has been born of him. Or we can say it like this. If you have been born of him, then the practice of righteousness that you do is proof that you have been born of him because no one outside the family does righteous deeds it's impossible for you to do those righteous deeds outside the family of god and the help of the holy spirit now let me just say this did you know that there are some who will use this teaching that we're talking about right now as a license to continue in sin they're like Woo-hoo! i'm under the blood I could do whatever I want because Jesus sees, or God sees Jesus, he doesn't see me anymore. Well, you're a fool if you think that. That's, called, that's what phony Christians believe. That's what phony Christians do. That's what phony Christians say. Real Christians are not like that. And John wants us to know that. If you're truly born of him, you will not continue in sin. I haven't lost my place in my notes. I'm just letting that sink in a little bit. Did you just see some of your faces. Some of your faces are like, then what's wrong with me? Hang on. If you're truly born of him, you will not continue to sin, but John says you will continue in Righteousness. And I've got three reasons that he's going to give us that I'm going to lay out before you and help you see why we continue in righteousness if you're truly born of him. Look at the first one is because of our gratitude for his love. We're going to go to the first verse in chapter three right now. He says, see what great love the father has lavished on us that we should be called the children of God and that this is what we are. And the reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, we are God's children now. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we will know that we, but we. know that when Christ appears, we shall be like him for we shall see him as he is. If we are truly born again, you and I will do anything for and give everything up for Jesus. Am I right? Is that true? Yes, yes. At least it's what I want to do. And when we truly understand that hell was what we deserved and that heaven is what we're gonna get, when we truly understand That judgment is what we deserved, and forgiveness is what we have received. And when we truly understand and embrace that we have been given the righteousness of Christ and now we are the righteousness of Christ, no way would we use that as a license to continue in sin. We still will fall. We still will sin. We're gonna talk about that some more here, okay? But you will not continue in your sin if you're truly born of him because of the awareness of his great love for us that while we were still sinners, he died for us. He sent his son Jesus to die for us and he offers us salvation for free. How amazing is that? Why would you continue to sin and disobey the one who gave you everything? If you're truly in him, you will not continue to sin. That's what John says. Can I just say something that John's not saying here that's just like an obvious thing, and I just want to like lean in as a dad, or as a brother, however you look at me, however you view me as a grandpa, I don't know. There's no lasting satisfaction in sin, you guys. You choose to sin. You choose to suffer. In fact, you ought to write that on a poster and if you have kids, post it on the walls of your house and you need to say it every time they leave the house. Hey, kids, it's kind of like the Notre Dame, you know, play hard or whatever that thing is now. They, they, they smack, you know. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. Choose to sin, choose to suffer. Suffering in sin is not what you've been called to, dear brother and sister in Christ. Suffering and sin is what you've been delivered from. Sin may look good and feel good in the moment, but it bites you in the end every single time. Sin always overpromises and underdelivers, and you know this. You know this. You have experienced it. How many times have you gone back to that thing or that thought or that whatever it is you've gone back and you've you've wallowed in the mud again every how many times have you gone back just to think you're going to get some satisfaction and when you get done you're miserable am i the only one do you 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 know what i'm talking about sin devastates and destroys always What John wants to tell us is that true true children of God, legitimate children of God, those who have been born of him will do what is right. And our motivation is the gratitude of his love. Look at verse three in 1 John 3. Everyone who has this hope, what hope is he talking about? The hope of the love of the father, how great the love of the father is, verse one. Those of us who have this hope in him, what do we do? Come on, say it out loud. We purify ourselves. You not have it on the screen. 1 John 3.3, 3. come on, you guys, let's go. 1 John 3.3, 3. there it is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. This is what children of God do. They don't continue in sin. They may sin, but they don't continue in sin. They don't continue living in the way that they used to. They're new people. They will not continue because of the love of the Father, because you have this hope. And so we purify ourselves. Here's another reason we continue in righteousness, because because of the work that Jesus did on the cross. Look at verse four. Everyone who makes a practice, in fact, if you would underline that in your Bible, makes a practice. Everyone who makes a practice of sinning also practices lawlessness, and sin is lawlessness. You know that he appeared in order to take away sins. Jesus, that's Jesus. That's what he did. And In him, there is no sin. What he's saying is there's no, Jesus never sinned. You know that, right? And he came in order to take away our sins. Verse six, no one who abides, that means continues, no one who continues or back to verse four, practices, makes a practice of sinning. No one who abides in him, sorry, slow down, Phil. I'm trying to beat the clock. So I'm just gonna relax here for a second. Verse six says, no one who continues in him keeps on sinning. Continues in the sin. You don't do both of those things. No one who keeps on sinning has either seen him or known him. So here's the deal. If you're not increasing in righteousness and decreasing in sinfulness, if there's not a pattern of those two things happening, then you don't truly know Jesus. You're not a legitimate child of God. And I didn't make that up. Under the power of the Holy Spirit, John wrote that because that's what Jesus wants you to hear. And he's releasing that news to us. In fact, he goes on to say, verse 7. Little children, let no one deceive you. So don't be foolish in this point. Whoever practices righteousness is righteous. Makes a living of it, okay? Continues in righteousness is righteous. Just as he is righteous, and it's because we're in him. But whoever, verse 8, makes a practice of sinning is of the devil. For the devil has been sinning from the beginning, So you can't continue in righteousness and continue in sin at the same time. You can't do that. It it doesn't work. I'm not talking about, I know I have to keep saying this, but I want you to hear. It doesn't mean we're not going to sin. We are going to sin. But you will now no longer live in your sin because you're a child of God. You are now pursuing righteousness. And when you're pursuing righteousness, you're not pursuing sin. Now, when you're pursuing sin, you're not pursuing righteousness. Whoever makes a practice of sinning, John says, is not born of God. He or she is still of their father, the devil. Christ, and here's why, because Christ's imputed righteousness, his credited righteousness, will lead his people to practical righteousness. You simply can't help yourself because of the work that Jesus did. I want you to hear this word of truth, okay? Okay. Have I lost you yet? Have I lost you? I know this is this stuff is like we're wading down into, we're digging down deep into it, but it's so important for us to understand these truths. But I want you to hear this word of truth. Anyone, anyone who, and... I don't care how holy they make themselves out to be or how holy they tell you that they are. I don't care if they're a pastor somewhere in a church. Anyone who claims that you can go on sinning and living in your sinful lifestyle that you have chosen, anyone who tells you that somehow God is okay with the lifestyle of sin that you have chosen, or they try to speak a quote-unquote new word into you that God created you to be sinful, therefore he will accept your continuance in that sin sinful lifestyle, anyone who says those things to you is of the devil, and they're lying to you, just like he did in the very beginning with Eve when he told her, that's not what God meant. You can disobey him, and he'll be okay with that. And I don't need to spend any more time in telling you about what's going on in the world and what they're trying to teach our children and what they're trying to put off onto us. And even in the church of Jesus Christ, quote, and I put that in quotes, there, there are some guys out there, some women out there that are claiming that they're women and men of God in authority to speak truth into you saying, no, it's okay with your sinful lifestyle. Well, then they have not spent any time in the book of First John. Isaiah 5 5, 20 says this, woe to those who say evil is good and good is evil, who say darkness is light and light is darkness, who say bitter is sweet and sweet is bitter. And you may say to yourself right now, you may be saying, man, Phil, you're so angry about this. Why why are you, you're coming across like you're really perturbed. You're coming across like you're really upset. It's because I am. Listen, we are people of the truth. And the truth is what sets people free, not lies. Woe to people who are out there telling people that evil is good and good is evil. And that's what's happening in our world all around us right now. Am I upset by that? Absolutely. Well, what are you gonna do about it, Phil? I'm gonna proclaim the truth. That's what I'm gonna do. And so should you. And every moment of every day, we ought to be out there saying no. Speaking the truth in love but you don't sound very loving right now. Okay, I'm working on it. (laughs) Speak the truth in love to those who don't understand because they're blinded, my friends. They're blinded and they can't see their way. Verse eight says, the reason the son of God appeared was to destroy the works of the devil. Now listen, the scripture's clear. If we say we have no sin, we're liars. That's 1 John 1.8. We already studied that. Of course, we will sin. But don't miss what we're talking about today. We're talking about continuation. We're talking about abiding. We're talking about continuing a lifestyle of sin versus continuing in Christ's righteousness. Legitimate children of God continue in his righteousness. That's what we're talking about. But those who are in Christ will not continue in sin. They won't continue to make a practice of sinning, even though we will fall down. We don't do that anymore because of the work done through Christ on the cross. No longer do we continue in sin or make it a practice to sin. We now continue in Christ's righteousness, which takes us to the last reason we do so, and that is because of the ministry of the seed. I love this part. I can't wait to share this part with you. So look at verse nine. So no one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Why? For God's seed abides in him. Continues in him. We have the seed of Christ. What is that? It's his Holy Spirit. And so because we have his Holy Spirit, you cannot keep on sinning because you've been born again. Again, I know I have said it over and over again, it doesn't mean we're not, we're going to keep sinning because we're sinners, okay? And we're not, we haven't fully reached sanctification. We will get there when we get our glorification. But you won't continue in your sin if you're a child of God because why? You have the Holy Spirit. That's why, (laughs) Oh man, I want to shout hallelujah on this part because let me, just, let me just say it like this. Do you have the conviction of sin in your life? So like when you really screw up and you, you do sin, you do fall, do you feel that conviction work of the Holy Spirit in your heart and in your mind and you're just miserable? <laughs> then rejoice. That conviction that you have is proof that you are a legitimate child of God because unsaved people without the spirit have no conviction of their conscience against sin. In fact, it's natural to them. It's normal to them. The Holy Spirit is the one who brings the conviction of sin. That's his job. He comes to bring conviction and ju- about judgment, sin, judgment, and righteousness. Sin, righteousness, and judgment to come. Children of God will not continue in a pattern of sin because if you try, the Holy Spirit will make you miserable. You won't be able to breathe. And if you persist and you grieve the Holy Spirit to the point of quenching the Holy Spirit, guess what happens if you're a legitimate child of God? Guess what happens next? God's discipline come into your life. Why, you ask? Because you're his kid. Duh. That's what good parents do. When their children do wrong, and they're heading down the wrong path, and they're heading down to destruction and death, good parents say, ah, ah, And this is what we do. Hey, 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 knock it off, knock it off. You're going down the wrong way. You're doing the wrong thing. That's the conviction of the Holy Spirit. And if your kid's like, (laughs) you're not the boss of me. Well, yeah, actually I am. No, you're not. My teacher said you're not. My teacher said I could do whatever I want. Well, your teacher isn't your dad. And I'm the boss of you. I'm the boss of you. And I'm telling you what to do. I don't care. I'm going to do my own thing anyway. <laughs> you don't want to do that. No, yeah, I really do. No, you don't. Yeah, I do. Because you're stupid. And you don't know what you're talking about. I know how to take care of my life. Yeah, okay. Okay. It's wooden spoon time. Do you know why wooden spoons were invented? <laughs> yeah, come on. Man, am I ever going to get in trouble? <laughs> Listen. Because you're his kid, Hebrews 12:5, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline. And do not lose heart when he rebukes you. Why would you lose heart with a rebuke if it wasn't hard? (laughs) Don't lose heart when the rebuke comes because the Lord disciplines the ones he loves. And he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. We will not continue in a pattern of sin in our lives because if we're if we're legitimate children because we won't be able to breathe. The Holy Spirit will do His work, and if you quench the Holy Spirit, then God will step in and do His work. And that discipline is 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 painful. Look at verse ten of First John three, and I'm done. This is how we know who the children of God are and who the children of the devil are. Anyone who does not do what is right is not God's child, nor is anyone who does not love their brother and sister. And we're gonna deal with that part next time we're together in this. So don't pack your stuff, okay? So I want you to just sit and examine your heart right now. I'm gonna ask you a series of questions and I just want you to examine your heart. Remember the very beginning, the goal of this, why John wrote it, and the goal today in bringing it out is for you to examine, not to doubt your salvation, not trying to talk you out of your Christianity. I want you to examine your heart to know so that you can know that you're a legitimate child of God. So here's the first one. Is there an increasing pattern of righteousness in your life? Are you growing in this? It's called progressive sanctification. Are you growing in this? Is there a decreasing pattern of sinfulness in your life? Let me ask you this way. Are you living on the victory side of your sinful bent? Here's the third question. Is there a growing hunger for God's word and an earnest desire to surrender every part of your heart and life to Jesus and his work, holding nothing back? Are Are you working at this? And is there an increased desire for these things? Is there an increased desire to please God every day in your every thought and action? Do you have an increased desire to make better choices more often? And when you fall down, get up as fast as you can. Is there a growing sensitivity in your heart towards the Spirit's voice so that when you start wandering off the path of righteousness, you hear His voice and you begin making the proper course adjustments right away? And here's the last one. Do you just want more of Jesus and less of the world? If the answer to those, not perfectly, but increasingly, if the answer to those is yes, Phil, yes, then rejoice and let your heart smile, my friends, for you are a legitimate child of God because no one outside the family of God lives like that and has those desires those desires only come from the holy spirit given you to do those things but with all the love and and compassion in my heart that i can try to express to you and concern that I have for you that if none of these things are true of you, then the message for you today is that you need the love of the Father and the blood of Jesus applied to your life to save you. And that can happen today. I remember the day that the Holy Spirit woke me up to my sinfulness. And in that moment, I humbled myself and I repented of my sin and I realized how bad of a sinner I was and I realized, which I could only realize and only know because the Holy Spirit revealed it to me that without Jesus Christ, I was doomed for an eternity separated from him because of my sin. And what I earned for my sin was death. And I confessed my sin that day. And I received the gift of salvation that Jesus paid for on the cross, that he he made happen on the cross. And that day, things began to change in my life. Not perfectly, of course. I had to grow up in him. And that's what's available to you today. You can start a brand new walk with God. You can have a brand new start to life today if you hear the voice of the Spirit and you answer the call to salvation. And I wanna make that offer to you that we would love to help you with that. You don't even need help though. You could just pour out your heart to the Lord right where you are, but we would love to help you with that. If you do that on your own, can you come tell us about it so we can rejoice with you? and get you going in your new walk with God. So wherever you are here in the room, wherever you are visiting with us and joining us online, our desire for you is to be saved. Let's stand together. Father, help us in this. Um, Here's what I just, this is the simple prayer I wanna pray for all of us. Will you help us in our struggle against this world? in all of its allurements and its temptations and against the heart that we have, the bent we have towards sinfulness. And help us because of our love for you, because of the work, Lord Jesus, you did on the cross and because of the seed of the spirit living inside of us to live righteous lives so that we can live light, so that we're not quenching the spirit, so that the spirit can work through us to bring that light to a lost world. And I pray for anyone who doesn't know the Lord is hearing my voice right now, that you'll give them the strength, the courage, and the humility to get saved today. And we pray this in Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Hey, share some love on your way out with each other, and we'll see you again next time.